0: Welcome to the archives of Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Domingo Sarmiento, a teacher and later the president of the Republic of Argentina, spent several years traveling in Europe and the United States in the mid 19th century. A man of controversy, often likening himself and comparing himself to Benjamin Franklin and Alexis de Tocqueville, He spent six weeks in the United States in the fall of 1847, and later published his account of that visit, selectively interpreting what he saw and experienced to conform to his ideas. In this archive edition of Radio Curious, I visit with Domingo Sarmiento in the person of Professor Daniel Lewis, a scholar-presenter in the 1996 Democracy in America Chautauqua that was held in Ukiah, California. I met with Domingo Sarmiento during a break in the Chautauqua programming and asked him what he saw the future of the American Union to be from his perspective
1: the American Union, which drew me, which captured me, which captivated me. I did not initially understand what was before me. I I was struck by so many conflicting feelings. The American Union, now that I have come to appreciate it through my visits and my service there, is, I believe, the destiny of all of the Americas and I have committed myself to do my best to promote the spread of democracy through the establishment of similar institutions and practices and hopefully through the spread of the spirit and the culture that makes your democracy work.
0: Comparing uh, North America to Peru for example where uh, the people who came to North America in some sense came for a religious freedom Indeed. Whereas uh, the people who came to Peru, uh, Pizarro for example, came for purposes of exploitation. The genesis of their ideas and the descendants that grew up uh, within a, hundred, a couple of hundred years later, are very different. Absolutely. Do you see that the concept of democracy as it evolved in North America could similarly
1: evolve in South America? This is interesting. It's a very good question. When I was young I believed that the simple ideas of democracy that were advanced by the unitarios in Buenos Aires with the formation of, of our first attempt at democracy, the first uh, republican experiment I, th- I thought the idea of equality would be sufficient, and I, like a generation of of men like me we we were confused as well as disappointed by its failure at the collapse into despotism and dictatorship that came with the rise of Rosas and his henchmen. This did not take us by surprise entirely. Nonetheless, as I matured, I realized that there were more more than ideas at work. I came to believe that it was necessary to regulate, perhaps, this democracy, and as the Presidente of the Second Republica Argentina, I attempted to institute the necessary changes to bring about what I believed would would turn my society into a democracy. Tell us those changes that you sought to Very good. To implement. It's There's more to my answer, but nonetheless pausing here, the changes, first and foremost, it was essential to create on our land a, a civilized population independent in spirit as well as in activity and and through that the creation of colonies of progressive farmers it it sounds like you're Jefferson but this this is one of my key goals and an educational system not simply in the Provincia of San Juan or Buenos Aires areas which through my work I I introduced this this model this institution first but throughout the nation staffed with with skilled and sensitive teachers I I went so far as to recruit teachers from uh, New England in order to accelerate the process that an educated people would not elect a Rosas and this I believe was as essential as as the first reform finally a strong constitution and different than your union since we needed to imitate and accelerate change I believe that a a stronger central government than than exists in your union, this would be necessary to lead the people towards a democratic end. The end of my life, in judging and evaluating how simple it was for my political opponents to to undermine my efforts, I, I come to believe that the legacy of Spanish colonialism is simply too great to overcome in in the Peru example that we give indeed here is a here is a society that is the uh, it is it is the Spanish colonial experiment in in perfect display you have the marriage the attempted marriage of the European and the American the Franciscans as well as the colonial gobernadores attempted to take this this a uh, new race and bring it forward but this marriage of the spanish and the american an unfortunate one indeed proved impossible to to well improve uh, it is the poorest de- foundation for a democracy that i can i can think of
0: the colonialism in your country in argentina was very different than the colonialism in lima and on the west coast of of south america only
1: in scale not in character there was not the same mixing of the Indios and the uh, Españoles as there was in a Peru or in a Mexico but that was only only because the Plains Indians and the original uh, conquistadores uh, engaged in war rather than uh, than in settlement there were no missions except in the north there were no uh, settled populations, except in the northeast, in the northwest. Uh, subsequently, uh, the history is different only in degree. Settled populations of indigenous indios, people, indeed. indios, in Argentina. The plains Indians are the savages of the wilderness. They are incapable of being even subjugated beneath the, 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 the burden of Spanish colonialism. Why do you say that? They are wild, they are simply part of nature. They are as humanity was at the beginning of history. This is well known. So the,
0: the uh, way of letting them live is to
1: confine them to certain areas, or to not let them live? It's, that is a strange question. It is civilization that is, that is expanding, not barbarism to let them live would be to succumb to barbarism and this is this the struggle of my life is to bring civilization to all reaches of my country uh, the wilderness and the savages in it stand in the way of that goal
0: well did the same uh end come to uh, the savages as you call them the the indigenous people as i call them in in argentina as uh came uh, to the to their cousins in north america The same end. And they were moved off to reservations. Uh, If they didn't go, they were often
1: killed. I I, I made it a point to study the process of filling your civilization, f- filling your wilderness with with, uh, with cities and with civilization, your, the the struggle against the savages carried out by individuals who I called Indian haters, as well as by the policy of your government. It's, I'm not as familiar with the details as I am with the end result. We, too, engaged in uh, in a struggle against the Indians. It was completed by uh, my... Uh, my uh, uh, followers, not my allies, but the individuals who followed me in the presidency, uh, after I had stepped down. By the end of the 1870s, after the uh, Conquista del Desierto, the process was nearly complete. Mm-hmm. Still, the legacy of the savages, the legacy of this emptiness that still defines my country, you can find it today. There are efforts to, to, to follow your lead are, are still woefully incomplete. I want to ask you a little bit more about your
0: observations when you came to yes. the United States, and particularly your opinion of the type of person who is generally elected to public office here in America. And, and I guess we'd be talking about the time of your
1: visit, which was 1845 to 1847. I made no keen study initially of your federal government, for it was not of interest to me. Your democracy does not exist in your constitution or in washington dc it exists in each of your towns in each of your smaller cities there you will find in your we do not have a word that matches this in your meetings you will find the leaders of your community engaged in discussion and debate over the great issues of the day if there is a need if there is a challenge it is met there in those communities that is your democracy the spirit of those meetings I can think of no better example the elected officials are simply your common people when I traveled through your country I could tell no difference between them when I traveled on train I could have just as easily been sitting next to a member of Congress as a common worker Uh, I I in terms of the qualities of individual leaders I can think your country has produced no no one of greater uh, in need of greater tribute than your great president Abraham Lincoln the finest president I can think of in any American Republic Uh, it his the tragic death his assassination was an event that took place just before I arrived to serve as ambassador uh, representing the Republic Argentina in 1865 and and, uh, in tribute I I I composed a, a short book which I, I had published at my own expense. It was. I was deeply moved by that loss. The your government, its virtue perhaps lies in its in its traditions. But I, I see perhaps upon reflection that it, uh, it's the honesty of your government is uh, perhaps a reflection of its small size. I must think on this more. Speaking of um, the death of
0: President Lincoln, and the effect uh... that his death had on the institution of slavery tell us your thoughts on on those two aspects uh... his death and the institution of slavery
1: his death was the greatest tragedy but the strength of your union was fully demonstrated in its ability to recover from his assassination and continue his great work in terms of slavery i refer to slavery as a parasite upon your republic Um, a parasite that was not the responsibility of your forefathers, those the Puritans and the pilgrims who are the foundation of your society, not so much in their continued existence but in their descendants. It is Slavery, look at where it it once thrived. It was forced upon you, introduced to you by the English colonialists, and it thrived in the areas that were once part of the Spanish or French colonial empires. It is not a natural part of your union. I knew, I was confident that it would be eliminated from your society. Um,
0: After you moved back to Argentina, after your tenure as the ambassador, uh, did you have a chance to observe the uh, effect of the termination of slavery uh, yet the remaining
1: condition and the life of the black people? Hmm. This is something that I did not study in any detail. It The conflict between the different races, I did m- attempt to make a study of it in 1881 when I began work on my book. Uh, it is translated as a conflict and harmony amongst the races it's an attempt to provide a historical view of the development of the americas in comparison Uh, your union in terms of racial conflict from my perspective is one that is leading towards an end where all races and all peoples will uh due to the leadership due to the example of the puritans and their descendants soon they will be as one and another. A, a homogenous culture will one day result. We do not have that in our land. The intermixing between races has produced a well, a mongrelization of the people, even in my Argentina. The immigrants who have arrived to our shores are not the same prosperous ones of the northern European countries that have have added so much to your vibrant society. Uh, it is, uh, I, I must say that because of the political challenges I faced at home, I, I did not devote as much energy and attention as I, I perhaps could have or should have to this question. But the struggle to bring democracy to my homeland, uh, it, it consumed my, my time and my energies.
0: I want to take a moment and say that we're talking to Domingo Faustino Sarmiento an Argentine statesman, also best known as an author and promoter of public education. He visited the United States between 1845 and 1847. You're listening to Radio Curious, I'm Barry Vogel. Senor, you um, are talking about people in general. When you address these concepts, do you separate between the genders? Do you see a specific role for
1: women that is different than the role for men? Well, of course. Tell us. The role for women has, it's a time-honored role, one that has been handed down through the generations. It is the women who are responsible, more responsible than any, for the preparation, the education of the children. The men, of course, provide the necessary resources, the foundation for the family. the women they are the caregivers they are the those who who bring the children into adulthood in my land, the women are of course, a product of the superstitions and the myths that dominate our culture. Your women in your union are an incredible sort. I, I refer to them in my, in my uh, my report of my first visit as as men of the feminine sex. They are unlike any other woman that I have seen, except perhaps for the, in Peru. There is a time in the afternoon when the women of the different barrios they will they will veil themselves, revealing only a few inches of where their eyes will peek out uh... they're referred to as the the latapadas perhaps you have seen them i recall that when you look into the eyes of their women veiled as they are and anonymous to the world you can see in their eyes a sense of independence and freedom it's that look that the women of your union they they wear day. why do you think this look or this attitude uh, a
0: willingness of american women to be out in the forefront more uh... has developed in america as opposed to in argentina or as opposed to in europe
1: i i am perhaps not the greatest expert on this but i am convinced it is it is because of the fact that your women receive the same education as the men in their youth the boys and girls they are educated together they they attend school together and the education that they receive as practical as useful as it is it prepares them for a a life of independence i remember with great fondness seeing the women working in in your factories in lowell in massachusetts there they were um, it, working as freely uh, going to their jobs as would any man building up their savings which will make a fine dowry for their marriage I am sure these are women who um, they might as well have been men except for their dress and of course their natural differences
0: so are, are you uh, accepting of the concept that a person, regardless of his or her gender, has the, in, the same uh, innate intellectual capacity?
1: I have seen in your union women standing in the same stage, discussing scientific ideas with the same rigor as men. In your union they even discuss giving women the right to vote without laughing. There's no question that in terms of intellectual capacity many women can demonstrate this, a similar zeal and a similar sense of, of, of reason as men do. And this reason, this development of their reason, I think, prepares them to be um, better mothers, superior mothers to those that certainly exist in my land.
0: Well, is there a reason then to deny women education
1: and to deny women the right to vote and participate fully in government? There, I I, your question is very strange you have two entirely different things in the same question for an education is essential to to create women who will contribute to the development of future generations the vote this is this is a response politics is a responsibility of the men
0: but you can vote based on your intellectual capacity and your ability to understand and I'm wondering if it
1: should be But that the price of allowing women to vote would entirely... I think the challenge that this would introduce to their traditional position... I this is i do not think that this would be possible i in my defense of, of the concerns the rights of women if i can use that term in my homeland this this alone has earned me the title of socialist amongst mine amongst my opponents they see my ideas of educating women as being a disastrous move towards the abyss this is uh, i would never i would never consider going farther than i have gone my in my land this would not be stood for to give them the right to vote would be a threat that potentially would undermine the traditional division of the sexes. I would not entertain such.
0: Well, Domingo Sarmiento, I want to thank you for joining us on Radio Curious, but before we close, I'd like to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests at the close of an interview, and that
1: is, could you tell us of an interesting book that you've read lately? Domingo Sarmiento, his favorite book. Oh, what would it be, what would it be? When I, In my youth, I was most influenced by, of course, the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. His life was so strikingly my, like my own, but this is a book that you are all familiar with. I can recommend any work of James Fenimore Cooper. I think he, he best captures what has taken place on your frontier. Don,
0: Domingo Sarmiento, thank you for joining us. No, I and Daniel Lewis, welcome to Radio Curious. Oh, it's my
1: turn, yes. Get the man out of here.
0: How is it that you became uh, this Argentine statesman in the Chautauqua program?
1: The Chautauqua that's visiting Ukiah right now, that's been touring around the United States for the past two years, this was formed in uh, San Bernardino, California, and Riverside, California, a group called the Inland Empire Educational Foundation, based there, um, was instrumental in organizing the Mm -hmm. grant. Mm -hmm. Um, They were looking for a variety of characters to talk about democracy in the period, the decades immediately before the Civil War. And they wanted to have a character who could speak at least from the perspective of the Latino communities, which are of course so numerous in Southern California. Um, the problem is to do a Chautauqua character, you need a, a person who has written extensively on the theme that, in the case of this Chautauqua, was right. Democracy in America. There is, of all of the different Latinos, while given more time to research, there are a number of individuals in manuscripts as well as in their diaries and personal writings. There are Tejanos and, and Hispanos in what is today New Mexico, as well as some Californios from the time before California joined uh, the United States that could have, I think, filled this role. But when the grant was being applied for and whatnot, uh, the most familiar and the most obvious choice was mm-hmm. Domingo. Of Faustino Sarmiento. He's written mm-hmm. three books on the subject of democracy in the United States alone. He has also written a number of articles and his polemics in newspapers as well as in letters allow you to round out and fully explore this character. And His voice is very distinct. How do you feel about portraying ideas that you may or may not agree with? Um, sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes it's, uh, it's also uh, very uncomfortable. Um, I have been before audiences that that grow to hate the character rather quickly, Uh, and uh, then when they ask more questions, that that hatred becomes even more profound. It's delightful to step out of character in that context, but the 19th century is a time when many ideas that were seen as being scientifically sound, um, they are totally offensive from our perspective, and uh, I think they're important to represent. Uh, as much as the, some of us have this idea that the 19th century is filled with all these hollowed characters who did, Mm -hmm. who, uh, did these marvelous things. It's also filled with many accomplished people who believe things that we would find odious
0: tell us a little bit about your teaching and your experience in latin america which no. obviously is expensive okay.
1: extensive yes i am um, i i chose argentine history as a subject for my dissertation work and my research because i was at the university of california santa barbara doing graduate work there and the professor there david rock is um, one of the leading experts in argentine history his, his books are very influential in both argentina and around the world uh, his cambridge accent i suppose sets him apart as well mm-hmm. but nonetheless with his expertise in Argentina and my interest in Latin America I I chose Argentina as a subject and I sliced off um, the topic of uh, the political and economic history of grain farming in Argentina and specifically in the Provincia mm-hmm. of Buenos Aires as as my research subject this would be if I was a US history major this would be like doing Um, the auto industry in Uh the United States, or Uh actually auto and steel, Uh because grain farming is what they would call an industria madre, one of the mother industries of that land. and uh, It's a huge subject, and I found the challenge just delightful. Um, I was fortunately supported by uh, by a Fulbright uh, Fellowship, as well as a graduate fellowship from the University of California to go there. Um, I've been back a few other times Mm -hmm. as well. It's... um, it's a country that, because it is has some surface similarities with the United States historically right, as well as right. naturally, um, and then so many profound differences, I found it to be uh, quite a challenge to And it understand.
0: evolved very differently. Indeed. It's had
1: such a uh, a cycle of revolution, mm-hmm. a lack of stability, if you will. Like much of Latin America, if many people will emphasize that the difference lies in the fact that we have two different colonial experiences and that is certainly mm-hmm. true I think if you wanted to reduce the history and the differences between these different parts of the Americas it's the experience of the revolution against colonialism in in the United States although it's not like the french revolution as radical mm-hmm. and as fundamental as that movement, we still had profound change introduced especially in the way that people saw their government and identified with their government in latin america that is not so
0: would you attribute that to be the different parts of europe uh, which
1: drew people to Argentina versus the parts of Europe which drew people to North America when I talk about this in my class I I try and explain it as in the following way the most important revolution in terms of influencing Latin America was not the French or the United States model but rather the Haitian model Mm -hmm. the Haiti Revolution is a revolution of slaves and free men of color against a small Exploitative European descended mm-hmm. elite, and they annihilate that elite. It is liquidated, to use one of those fun revolutionary terms. Yeah. When that event happened, any discussion of bringing liberty, true liberty, to all of the people in Latin America disappeared. It evaporates. You find in Argentina, a country where the racial differences and tensions were at arm's length, there were still people like Mariano, More, um, excuse me. Um, Manuel Belgrano, Mariano Moreno discussing some of the ideals of the French and Yankee revolutions but for the most part in the core areas like Peru, Mexico, Mm -hmm. cultures and societies where race played such a fundamental role in protecting and defining a privileged elite. Mm -hmm. With the example of Haiti out there, no one considered a real revolution. And that's that resistance to really changing society that's what's plagued latin america to these cycles of, of political instability there isn't really a popular government um, there is it's there is instead a polarized political field what was the year of the haiti revolution it begins be like? in it, let, let me remember this correctly seventeen ninety eight if i if i mm-hmm. oh that's no that's too late it begins in seventeen ninety two yes mm-hmm. and by seventeen ninety four it's very clear how the violence is playing out and that mm-hmm. that the chill that goes through mexico is incredible
0: Dan I want to thank you for joining us but before we close I want to ask you as the uh-huh. scholar the same question that I just asked Domingo and that is could you tell us of an interesting book that you've read lately
1: Um it's a little bit older but since I want to stick to, close to the theme of why I'm here in the Chautauqua if you wanna know a little bit more about the context in which Domingo Sarmiento comes mm-hmm. out one of the best books that I can recommend is by Nicholas Shumway it's called Inventing Argentina mm-hmm. um, he's not a historian he's a literary um, uh, Critic, a specialist, I guess, suppose, in a department of English, if if I remember correctly. And so sometimes he gets the narrative a bit wrong, but he captures very well the cultural and political picture of the generation in which Sarmiento was a very important Mm -hmm. part, in which they try and define what it is this new republic was going to be and why it is that it becomes a very different republic than what we would call such here in the United States.
0: Well, Dan Lewis, thank you very much for joining us here on Radio Curious. It is my pleasure. Domingo Sarmiento was a teacher and later the president of the Republic of Argentina. He is portrayed in this archive edition of Radio Curious by Professor Daniel Lewis, a scholar and presenter in the 1996 Democracy in America Chautauqua that was held in Ukiah, California. Domingo Sarmiento recommended any book written by James Fenimore Cooper. Daniel Lewis recommended The Invention of Argentina by Nicholas Shumway. There are over 750 archives on our website, radiocurious.org, and I'm honored to tell you that Radio Curious is now part of the collection at the Library of Congress. We appreciate your cards, ideas, and letters, and do enjoy hearing from you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. The postal address is 700 West Smith Street, Ukiah, California, 95482. The phone is 707-621-5075. Ignacio Ayala is the assistant producer. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.